from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with... This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 907, Azure Operator Nexus with guest Janelle Crothers. Recorded Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Janelle Crothers has traveled through her technology career as a system administrator jack of all trades, overseeing Windows domains, networking, telecommunications, and other IT systems, ultimately evolving with cloud to Azure and Kubernetes. Through her roles at Microsoft, she's focused on sharing what's new with Microsoft technologies and helping customers use the cloud successfully. And currently, she's a technical program manager with Azure for Operators, a Microsoft organization focused on products for telecommunications operators. Welcome back, Janelle. That is so nice to be here, Richard. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, what was the last one? 21. So we missed a year there. I don't Yeah, COVID did that to a lot of people. Oh, I mean, I only got busier because let's face it, every sysadmin went mad through the through the pandemic. I actually recorded an extra show a week because there was so much to talk about in the in 2020 for I don't know, 30 weeks or something. We did a bunch of extra shows. But you and I first talked, I mean, that was 10 years ago at the Tech Day San Francisco. Something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, a long it's time ago. You've, yep. you've been in all kinds of cool roles. Like your, your bio is right on. Like you've been through the gamut. But I knew nothing of what Microsoft makes for, for telecom operators. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, what is this? Yeah, um, it, it's actually really cool. I didn't actually really know what it was until I came over to join this role. But about two years ago, Microsoft partnered with AT&T and we actually acquired um, some of their IP and their network cloud hmm. so that AT&T can move their um, 5G mobility network into Microsoft cloud. Interesting. So, yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting about cloud, and we've all kind of done this evolution, you know, through the last you know decade or so, is it's not really designed for telco. No. You know, there's a lot of, you know, specialty, you know, things that come up, hardware, networking, very telco-specific um, components that just simply don't exist in, you know, public cloud data centers. Yeah, of So what, what we're, yeah, so what we're doing is building a hybrid platform that's managed by Azure, but the hardware is more specialty and gets uh, installed in the operator's data center. Because I've spent time in my sysadmin life on the infrastructure side, working with companies like Verizon, AT&T, and so forth to provide backbone connections and secure connections between uh, locations for WAN services, even, you know, really before public internet was much of a thing. We, we were finding solutions like that. And, and you counted on the ISPs, like they were the infrastructure. I would argue they were cloud operators before cloud in the sense that they had the points of presence in all the cities and and they could provide us secure connections. I know, it's really kind of comes in like a weird full circle that yeah. like the internet was built on telco and now we're trying to put the telco back on the internet. <laughs> so. but, but it occurs to me that, you know, cloud is also an architecture 
that is not the way telcos approach things. Yes, and that's one of the interesting things about it to, you know, start embracing a lot of the cloud nativeness mm -hmm. that we've learned over the last decade and applying that to telco workloads. So we're seeing a lot more virtualization, a lot more containerization, right. a lot more use of Kubernetes. And then looking to the cloud to learn how to drive a lot more of that you know, via APIs. Yeah, interesting. And also be able to offload some of the management of those things so that AT&T can focus on, you know, building better software and running better networks, but not necessarily managing the hardware. That's really interesting because you would all, I, I would, my instinct, if you told me before we did this show, like what is AT&T really about? It's about points of presence and wires between buildings, like for, or, you know, yes. between cities, like that is actually it. And on top of that, they sell a few products, internet connectivity, telco services, cellular network stuff, like that the infrastructure was the asset. Yeah. Is that less the case today? It's kind of becoming that way, you know, that that yeah. that it's more about their the the software that runs on that hardware, right. but also still needing to meet the things that they need for points of presence, you know, as we look at 5G and, you know, internet of things and you know, all of our robot cars and stuff like that, that need to get the internet much closer right. to where they are. More distributed points of presence that can't necessarily be met by like big Azure data centers that are more centrally located. You need to be able to say, here's a small cloud that I put, you know, very close to my market. Close to the destination point. Yeah. And of course, Microsoft's built dozens i think it's still in dozens it's not even in the hundreds of these gigantic data centers but that's not how a 5g network would work would work actually why don't we dig into that term a bit when you say 5g what do you mean <laughs> that, that's a good question yeah. because i don't even know what i mean <laughs> you know um because a lot of, a lot of this um even though i used to do like early work with telecommunications you know phones and switches and stuff like yeah. that you know 5g and all of the stuff that's you know around that is kind of it's kind of new but generally what we're talking about is the primary like you know packet core um software that runs you know the 5G technologies right. so versus versus what was 4G and 3G and LTE mm -hmm. as each of those uh, uh, cores of software uh, evolve, they need more and more interesting, you know, infrastructure and hardware to function. Yeah. The, and the, I mean, the problem with five, the term 5G is it's been marketed to, to death. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. And yeah. I am certainly, I'm actually kind of not the expert to explain, sure. you know, what that's going, what, what exactly that all entails. It has actually become really kind of loaded, I guess. But it does speak to, you know, when I think of 5G in that context, it is increasing density of wireless <laughs> devices, you know, that we. And speed. Yeah. yeah. Speed density um and being able to support you know all of those connections yeah and many many more devices and and really thinking pure digital backbone for everything right that yeah that this is the thing the bat the thing that all of our stuff is going to run on so it's got to be able to cope with a lot i also wonder if like when you think about telcos they've their mantra is always that always up mindset you don't think where when I think about cloud companies, they don't talk about always up so much as resilience yeah. that we recover well. 
Yeah. Yeah, it seems like these are two very different cultures coming together, that always-on, ultra-reliable mindset versus the resilient mindset of we can recover, we can keep going. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mind shift that needs to happen, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of the software vendors are using Kubernetes and are using kind of some of that more modern technology. It's often used more for ease of deployment and not so much ease of recovery. Interesting. You know, you know, there's a little bit of not quite letting Kubernetes be Kubernetes, (laughs) you know, do what I say, Um, not what you should do. Exactly. So there's definitely a lot of learning there. And Mm. the goal is that over time, as the software evolves to be more resilient and account for failure, that you'll start seeing a improvement in total cost of ownership because you might need less redundant hardware, you know, uh, the footprint can be smaller for some things because the redundancy and the the acceptance and Recovery from failure is kind of built in. Mm-hmm. And, you do, and you do it routinely. I just think that mindset of shifting workloads around while not dropping a packet effectively, like that is more that resiliency mindset as opposed to this machine never turns off, you know, less less bound to the hardware. It's just, you know, question of whether or not they can get to that, that thinking place. But it does bring up the product side of this. So Azure Operator Nexus, like what's this? Yeah, so what this is, essentially, it is a hybrid Kubernetes cluster. Wow. And when you purchase, when an operator chooses to, you know, install our product, it's a pile of, it's a pile of hardware. It's, you know, switches and computes and racks, and that gets installed, but it is all bootstrapped and um, zero touch provisioned from the cloud. And then managed in Azure. So instead of touching the actual hardware, you go to the Azure portal and you uh, uh, define your networks with software and deploy Kubernetes clusters Hmm. um, all through Azure APIs onto the hardware that's in your data center. So is this related to Azure Stack in any way? Like it sounds like you're providing Azure hardware into the operator. It's not directly related. Um, It has a little bit of, um, you know. Similarity. Similarity. you know, and maybe some, you know, early history before my time that, you know, some inspiration, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Um, But the clusters that get deployed on the platform, you know, end up using our, you know, hybrid connected, you know, ARC connected Kubernetes uh, functionality in Azure to, you know, feed that stuff back into Azure for you to monitor and things. And so what's running on this Kubernetes cluster? Like, what is, what is a carrier doing? Oh, they're running network functions. Right. So any uh, telecommunications operator, you know, is using a variety of network functions that might come from other software vendors, you know, to handle their billing or do their 911 or to combine, you know, any, you know, portion of their their stack of offerings. Right. And all all of that software uh, ends up deployed on this platform in you know, their own Kubernetes clusters or virtual machines, depending on how that software is built. Yeah, yeah, and of course. And it, and in, it's funny to just think about that. It's nothing mystical here. They need all the same things. This is Microsoft in a vertical, again, making stuff that, that follows the regulatory requirements for those carriers, like that kind of stuff, just to make it easier for them and provide a lot of value in the process. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, it, and it's learning on both ends. It's like, how do we, you know, provide that same regulatory requirement, meet all of those sorts of needs while also helping, you know, a lot of these network functions or vendors or operators evolve with the cloud mindset as well, which is right. which, which has been interesting because, you know, sometimes it's a little unclear who should give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's right here, right? It's like, hey, right. we're the cloud operator. This is how this stuff's supposed, this is cloud as architecture. This is how it's supposed to work. And they're like, hey, we're the ISP. We're the ones that customers count on. We've, uh, this has always got to work this way. Like that, that's got to be challenging conversations. You know, and much like a lot of verticals that have evolved with the cloud, you know, fintech and other verticals mm -hmm. that, you know, were, um, had, you know, reservations about adopting the cloud. It's the same. Yeah. It's some of the same stuff. It's yeah, like, yeah. here's another vertical, you know, coming, coming, making, making some of the same discoveries. Yeah. The cloud couldn't possibly work this way. You know, it'll, it'll never be reliable enough. It'll never be safe enough. It's like, uh, I got 20 years of history there, 15 years of history that says, no, it does. And it can, and people are successful with it. But yeah, I mean, so is it, it's, it's a pretty neat product. I've really, you know, learned a lot. I've gotten a whole lot better at Kubernetes. I've gotten a whole lot better about, you know, some of our Azure, you know, uh, resource provider technology and right. stuff like that, that kind of handles all of that. Uh, so it's been a really interesting last two years. Yeah, sure. You know, to see this come to GA. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And Janelle, I got to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode is run as is brought to you by the Azure Data Conference at the Walt Disney Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, December 5th to 7th. With keynotes by Microsoft Corporate Vice President of Azure Data, Arun Gulag, and CVP Jessica Hawk, you'll hear from the Microsoft leadership about where data is going at Microsoft, both on-premises and in Azure. Industry experts and speakers from Microsoft will help you learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately and gain insight into Microsoft's data strategies for the cloud and on-premises. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest versions of Azure Data and Microsoft SQL Server. The Azure Data Conference is co-located with the Azure and AI Conference and Dev Intersection. Attend the show and you'll be at the intersection of an incredible array of learning opportunities, and your ticket gives access to all the events. The Azure Data Conference is at the Walt Disney Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, December 5th to 7th. Use the code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at azuredataconf.com, and I'll see you there. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Janelle Crothers. And she's got a cool new job inside of Microsoft working on Azure Operator Nexus. And it occurs to me this is kind of a two-way street, too. Like, they've got to be able to teach you things as well. Like, your carrier grade is an interesting statement. Because, let's face it, the Internet's just not that reliable. Nobody talks about five nines anymore because you can't get the Internet to be five nines. No. You cannot. So. <laughs> so get over it. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's a. It is an interesting change of mindset. Uh, yeah. And I wonder about those whole points of presence thing. Like just you know w whether or not you get to take advantage of that in Azure for providing more services. I guess things you could be buying from AT and T versus AT and T buying from you. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, where this goes and, you know, different as we, you know, put in even more kind of cloud Azure technology, mm -hmm. you know, 
you know, I mean, I hate to say like AI, how that comes into play, but yeah. you start thinking about ways that can help with resiliency, you know, and so there's, there, there's a lot of ways this can go. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, I mean, certainly it's been an overarching theme. There's the running everything in the cloud, running stuff on the edge, but there's also that in-between part. You know, they, they running closer to the customer, but not necessarily running on their hardware because it's not secure enough. It's not performing enough. You know, can't control it well enough. Like that to me is a really interesting point that these carriers, they have these points of presence in all these cities, often many of them. What kind of workloads could be, you know, in a cell tower that would, that would improve a customer experience? Right. Right. And it's like, how do you get a footprint of hardware and how do you manage a footprint of hardware that could eventually kind of evolve to be in those spaces? Yeah. You know, our, 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 our product is currently, you know, still pretty large from a, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're not going to find it in one of those boxes out in front of your house, yeah, pretty sure. you know, anytime soon. Um, but at the same time, it does kind of, you know, shift the onus of hardware and decision making, you know, because Microsoft offering this product, we have a lot of say over what the hardware actually is because it's our software that's doing the management. Right. You know, so it takes a little bit of, you know, of that away from the customer as well. They can't be as, you know, prescriptive of like, we want, you know, this vendor with this Nick, with this, yeah. you know, footprint, you know, much like, you know, we've, we've learned in the cloud over, you know, the last many years, it's just like, well, it's just resources. Like we don't, yeah. we don't, we don't care whether they bought from, you know, what's in the rack actually no. anymore because it's all, it, it, it's, you know, it's all virtualized effectively. It's totally virtualized. It's also like they lease the hardware, right? They, the stuff arrives in pallets. I've, I've done the data center tours and these fifth gen data centers where it's like the stuff arrives in pallets. It is put down. It is plugged in. It's utilized for X many years and then it is unplugged, picked up and taken away for repurposing. Like just the ultimate sense of commoditization of compute. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to thread the needle there a little bit. And, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's definitely still a lot of ownness on the operator and stuff like that. So it's not, you know, it's not 100% dialed in yet, but, we, no. you know, but this keeps evolving. I mean, we we just went to GA in July. It strikes me as that that's the, an exemplar. It's like over here we have the way cloud is completely commoditized hardware. And then over there, you have almost bespoke configurations. Although I, I got to presume when it comes to a carrier, it's like, hey, you kind of want every cell tower to be the same. They're all maintainable. You buy them in bulk, like that kind of thing. But they're still pretty specialized implementations. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not, I don't think we're touching cell towers anytime soon. No. It's more, we're, we're, we're more at the spot, like where that data goes after the cell tower has collected it. Yeah. At, the, at, the, at those COs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is that's definitely what you know where where our spot is at the moment, um, you know, for this particular product. But it's still pretty interesting because there's a lot of, you know, like like many of these industries, there's a lot of legacy. So we do work with with folks that are just like, well, I'm expecting to do this exact thing, right? And it's just like, well, why are you looking for this exact thing? And yeah. it's just like, it's just like, we're just going to provide the service that does that thing. Yeah. And you don't need to think about it, you know, that much anymore. It is over prescription, right? The goal was this. 
The details are almost second to the point, but I mean, how much of that is culture and how much of that is regulatory? I, well, you know, it's hard for me to say. And I think a lot of it, <laughs> I, I think a fair amount of it is cultural. Yeah, sure. You, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, things like installation and maintenance you know, we hit a lot of, well, I log onto the server and I check our script logs onto every server and checks for X, Y, Z. And it's just like, well, do you really need a path to be able to do that? Or can we just, you know, maybe do it a different way? Yeah. Have the logs pushed to a central repository. So they're all there anyway. Like it's really interesting. Right. Right. And there's, you know, and some of it is like, well, maybe you, maybe we can just start to trust the Kubernetes. (laughs) I think I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. Just trust the Kubernetes. You know, trust the Kubernetes a little bit. Janelle told me so. (laughs) It is not without fault and it, you know, does not, you know, it certainly fails at times, but, you know, do we need to log on to every server to make sure a certain setting got changed when, you push that with the daemon set, like yeah. maybe we just, yeah, trust. you know, check that the daemon set got installed yeah. and then move on. Yes, that's how that stuff works, right? Like, but the ephemeral nature of containers themselves must just go against the grain of a carrier. Like it's, it, it, it does for some workloads. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like that's just, see, that must seem so strange that we create these things, they do some stuff, then they go away again. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And, and every, it, what, What's in the manifest is what the truth actually is. These poking individual instances logging into the server, quote unquote. You just don't do that anymore because it's it's irrelevant. Right. Why? It's in, put it in the manifest. Yeah, you know, I mean, and there's a lot of that, and a lot of these workloads are already being containerized. Right. But then it's then, um, but but a lot of them, the software comes the whole package of software comes with the complete cluster. So, you know, using, you know, other cluster building technologies to say, this is, uh, you know, you give me, I'm going to come and I'm going to build six nodes that are configured this way in Mm -hmm. my cluster, you know, you know, with Rancher or something else and kind of provide that whole cluster as a package where our platform you don't need to bring the cluster. We'll bring the cluster to you. You just need to tell us how you need the cluster configured. So that's a little bit of a mindset too, because they don't necessarily have control of every dial right. on yeah. on the on the heart on the uh, on their cluster nodes. Yeah, and you kind of casually mentioned Rancher there, but that's you know as soon as you say that, I'm thinking enterprise grade Kubernetes. Like that's that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I mean. You know, and that's just one of them. You know, you've got, you know, VMware underneath it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like every every um, network function vendor has their own, you know, way of doing things. Just like every company, every software vendor has their own way of doing things. Right. So trying to standardize that onto a platform uh, has, has definitely been interesting. Yeah, without a doubt. I got to think that Microsoft's knowledge in the security space has got to be beneficial here too. Like, I don't know how deep... You, when you were thinking carrier, it's you know they it's almost like they're just a transport. They don't have to think about security near as much compared to a cloud vendor. Like, what's that relationship even look like? Well, I think that it's not totally the area that I focus oh, in. Oh, sure, but but you know, regulation comes into play quite a bit there. Yeah, uh, particularly uh, not necessarily about security per se, but you know, access. By other regulatory organizations, yes, um, you know, and you know, making sure that uh, 
you know, all of those things are, are, are being met while also keeping, you know, the platform secure, the software secure and, you know, segregated as needed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want people manipulating your, your infrastructure per se, but when you live in common carrier regulations, like what moves across your network is largely not, you know, your liability per se. Right. Um, until other bodies show up and say, I need those logs. I need to see this. Right. Like that's the trade for being a carrier, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and because, you know, these are all our connected Kubernetes clusters, mm-hmm. you know, those logs can be, you know, moved and collected yeah. wherever they, you know, need to go. And obviously we feed back in, you know, just, you know, metrics for functionality. Yeah. So that- and I, I'm sure there's pretty significant procedures around all of that, how, how it gets requested, how it gets delivered and so on. But back on the fun side, the 5G side of things is, you know, I, I don't think about carriers as making innovative products. And it feels like, you, you know, this is how you solve a bunch of IoT problems by making the carriers more responsive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's just like, and, and it's not just 5G. I mean, you know, there's already talks of, you know, what is, what is 6G? Yeah. What's to come, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and being able to flexibly swap workloads out of hardware, you know, makes you able to, you know, evolve with that faster. If it's not your bespoke hardware that you have purchased or uh, you're using our platform that we can upgrade to support, you know, additional functionality for you to be able to just bring in a different network function, you know, with a different cluster. Yeah. We're just thinking more and more about it. And when when I look at the sort of 6G conversation uh, around Microsoft, it's all AI stuff. It's research. Like it's, although fundamentally this is going to be more frequencies, more density, lower power, like inevitably that's what all of these networks need is computes getting smaller, lighter, and more, more ubiquitous. How do we provide connectivity for it all? Right. And, and getting it back to also where, where the data is useful, yeah. you know, collecting up all of your radio tower data or whatever they want to send back to their, you know, kind of central, central offices and yeah. central units. And then what to do with that, um, you know, what to do with that information, you know, what function will gather that up and have some AI thrown at it and then do something else. I mean, sure. like the possibilities are kind of endless. So it's kind of really neat to be kind of sitting here, you know, working on a product where, you know, it's kind of the beginnings of being able to get that into the cloud. Yeah. You're in the early days of this. Well, in ATT being a really good customer, it really thinks thinking to me is like, you're not going to have that many customers. Like, what is it? A few hundred <laughs> in the world? If you give, if you got them all, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't say, you know, yeah. There's, but yeah, but you're right. It is a finite number yeah. of there are you only know, so many carriers. carriers and stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, so, but yeah, it's kind of you know the AT and T partnership is is great, and it's kind of awesome, awesome to have them as our you know flagship. Uh, you know, but you know, there's different ways to slice it. I think. And I got down to the bottom section where it goes Azure Operator Nexus pricing. Pricing will not be published. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is not going to be a serve yourself product. That's not how this works. Like. No, no. I mean, we 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 do have goals to you know next year to be able to because one of the, and one of the challenges is right now is if you are a software vendor, you know, somebody that AT and T or a carrier might buy from, like, how do you find out that your work, you know, your your application is going to work on this platform. You know, how do you kick the tires with using Azure? And uh, we are working toward being able to make um, instances of this platform available sort of as a self-service, but not, you know, deploying onto it versus, you know, you're not going to buy one off the shelf and plug it in at home. Sure. But I think, you know, another piece of this is that sort of last 2 billion, the folks that don't have connectivity out in the world and in either, you know, ultra rural wilderness areas. Here I am in Canada where we have lots of that and we still talk about providing connectivity to the far north and in developing nations too. Like this may not see that big of a deal if you're sitting in the Western world, but to the rest of the world, connectivity is still a rarity and a value. Like anything we can do to make it simpler is pretty powerful yeah i mean this this could be something that the operator of the future that doesn't exist now because they're not able to you know completely build something from the ground up would have an opportunity to tap into a market like that yeah well i think about great stories like in in kenya they kind of skipped over putting in the copper telephone network and went just directly to cellular like you, you got to think when you we talk about one third of the planet still not connected to the internet. If you could start, if you're starting from scratch now, how would you do it differently? Knowing these advancing infrastructures and this cloud thinking that you're busy trying to convince existing sort of legacy carriers to get on board with, but you're going to get a few brand new ones that are going to be able to uh, to reach into these new markets and and start with this architecture. Yo, know, it's a. It's a really very forward looking kind of way. It's, you know, very, you know, it's like there's a lot of opportunity, I think. And it's, you know, really sort of neat being able to just see where it is now and kind of imagine, you know, how it could possibly be used in the future. For sure. Janelle, I think you have the coolest jobs. Like, (laughs) I've been very lucky. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Like, this, what an interesting area to work. Like, I can't even imagine there's going to be like sessions that ignite on this. Just because the customer set is so specific. Yeah, we we kind of focus more on telecommunications yeah. uh, events, events, sure. Uh, you know, like Mobile World Congress and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we where we've announced that and things like that. So yeah, you're probably not going to see us at Ignite anytime soon. No. but you never know. <laughs> a, you know, <laughs> who knows, right? But it's really yeah. it's like no, you've got to go to where your customers are. You know their names. Uh, you know, it's worth get, getting uh, focusing on that area. But it is interesting, you know, just to get at, for me, it's like Azure's bigger than you think, man. It does a lot of things. It's involved in a lot yeah. of stuff. And this cloud architecture is permeating more and more of our infrastructure. It is. It's a good thing. Well, my friend, it's so great to talk to you again. Been a couple of years, but, you know, we'll circle back. I can't wait to see what job you're doing next. Oh, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've I've been so lucky at my career at Microsoft and, you know, in technology as a whole that, you know, I've been able to evolve, you know, evolve with the cloud, I feel like. Yeah, I know. Definitely going into various parts of it, like technical program manager is a heck of a title for this is very technical and it's a very cool program. I agree. Jenna Crothers, thanks so much for coming back on the show. I'm happy to be here anytime. You bet. Always look forward to talking to you. We have some fun. We do. And we'll talk to you next time. 
on Run As Radio. 